Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Another Friday quick question. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. I'm uh, fatigued. I've been training more than usual, so the load is high. And yeah, I slept last night. It's been a while since I just sort of <laughs> put myself to bed and fell asleep. Yeah, yeah. I, I can attest to this. My, my mom and I stayed up a little bit late watching a movie and I came in and Glassford is just just passed right out. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to put in some miles here. Finally, the weather's nicer and I'm not sure what exactly still I'm going to use it for. I did register for our Canadian nationals. So I guess that's on the calendar for July, but I have a little bit of time, but uh, yeah, it's sort of time to <laughs> make sure there's some sort of hay in the barn. Okay. This makes me happy though, because part of most of your workout this weekend was running with me. And I will tell you that I was very tired yesterday. So I'm, I'm very glad that I'm not the only one because mm -hmm. sometimes when I run with you, I can't really tell how it's going for you. Right. And I just know how it's going for me and it's not going fantastically. Well, I like to include plyo jumps or like, you know, go over a fence or go, you know, we even pass pull-up bars and usually I <laughs> would do something and yeah, we're just, getting through but it was a good run it was a good run good pace good terrain nice to be off road but back to back that's that's a lot for you so yeah so i i mean i'm still thinking about myself as being in the more general preparation i mean i'm i have some run races that i'm hoping to get to as well haven't registered quite yet because we're still not 100 percent sure i can get to the couple but uh you know it's still sort of general preparation as much as i, I consider both running and biking part of my my specific preparation, but that our question today, and this has been a recurring question. I have two phone consults this week with folks who are just, you know, a little bit nervous as, as the race approaches. So they're in that specific preparation. We'll say, you know, zero to, uh, you know, zero days or one, you know, one week out to eight weeks. So eight weeks out is sort of that nice phrase of, of that specific preparation. It's sort of that six to eight weeks is often the common range you'll use. And that's when stuff starts looking like the race and and sometimes that's nerve wracking as the race approaches. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we're not necessarily talking about just that pre-race jitters kind of nerves. We're talking about that. Oh, my training had kind of gone off the rails or I'm didn't get in these key workouts that are close to the race or, you know, just the 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 race is getting closer and I'm realizing that I'm maybe not as on track as I had hoped to be feeling. Well, and a lot of that sounds a bit like regret or or that should statement. And, and so I think there's a range of probably this this question comes in a range. I, I certainly the even if I just think about the two consults I have this week, there's sort of a range. There's the I think you're under, you know, you're, you're going to be fine. You're just nervous. That's the pre-race jitters. And then there's probably just, you know, things went sideways. You know, we haven't we're not quite as ready as we wanted to be. Uh, and that's okay too, right? Sometimes we come into races a little unprepared and sometimes we can do really well. <laughs> you know, it's better. I often say my philosophy is largely being a little underprepared so that we're not overtrained. We're not the people with the, you know, knee braces and knee taped up. So half of the Ironman field? Well, exactly. If you go to one of these big races, there's, you can see this is the, that inverted U curve. I like that, you know, if you think about a rainbow and you're sort of at the far left bottom of this rainbow, is no training so zero training zero benefit 
And then as you start moving to the right, the rainbow goes up and up and up and up. And then eventually about halfway through the rainbow starts coming down, right? So this is that inverted U curve, which describes, I think a lot of things, at least in general terms. And that's how I think about volume intensity, uh, the amount of mountain biking or running you do again, the sort of different sports you do strength training. There's probably a point where if you did more, the benefit decreases. So this inverted U is sort of the amount of the thing you're doing and then the benefit and, and the benefit at some point, decreases because you're starting to injure yourself or get sick or have energy availability issues uh, or just be tired, right? Right. And I think this is one of the big things that I think you've seen in recent years with people who are feeling slightly underprepared, say two to three weeks out from their race. I think the tendency or the urge is to go out and smash training and cram in all Mm -hmm. of the long workouts, hard workouts that didn't get done. Um, and I think that's that's usually to someone's detriment that puts them over that uh, over that you. And so I think in northern, you know, areas in Canada, you know, it's, it's very normal for the first races of the year to be nervous, especially, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic where some people haven't raced or, or maybe even ridden much with other people. So we're coming in, you have been riding indoors or cross training. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, we're three weeks till Paris to Ancaster is a big race for us in Ontario. The first mountain bike races are sort of that first weekend in May. And, and you're still trying to get out on trails still where, you know, early April or maybe a month out. So I think it's normal. I think that's maybe the first note is it's normal to be nervous. It's good to be nervous. It means that you care. And it's normal, especially in that three to four weeks out in the spring, especially to feel like you're a little, there's just parts of the sport you haven't done. And this is true. So this really starts our action step. We don't look back and regret that we didn't go south and train like a pro. Like those, those irrational, right? Or we don't regret that life got busy and we had to go to work more than we wanted to or family needed us. We think, we have three to four weeks. What do I need to do? This is what I often ask on the phone console because I don't have anything magical to say. You know, I talk about the inverted U. You know, I have these weird things I say. I, I ask, He's underselling it. It's super <laughs> magical. I say, what would give you confidence in these next... What do we have to do to be a little bit more confident, a little bit more ready for race day in these next three to four weeks? And that's what we do. So the mountain bikers, we get out on our mountain bike. You know, so they go out on the road to start off or maybe there's like a local rail trail or, or, you know, footpath that you can feel dirt, you know, while it's still muddy. Eventually we'll get on the trail and you can do that. You might have to drive. You might have to go two hours to someplace that's drier. Uh, you know, our gravel riders, road riders, they might be having to push ourselves to get out to a group ride, even if it's not, you know, right close to home or it's at a bad time of day, you know, it's later than you like. You might have to get out on that local ride and just give yourself a chance to group ride and then, okay, that's not so nerve wracking. I did okay. And so I think if you ask yourself that question, again, I don't know the answers for you, but what, what are the things you're worried about? And then can we start going through a checklist of, does this matter? Is it controllable? If it's not controllable, then I, you know, it's not that worth (laughs) worrying about. And then if it is controllable or something we can improve a little bit in the next two to three weeks, then let's experience that. Let's do that. Yeah, and actually, I, I liked we had Alexei Vermeulen on earlier this week, and he is huge on pre-race preparation in terms of actually just being prepared with a schedule of the race day, the race weekend, um, you know, having his bike packed perfectly, his packing lists. Uh, he's one of the most dialed athletes I know, and I think when you're getting into that nervous territory, there's probably not necessarily a workout that's going to help you get prepared for the race. At this point, you're probably already into almost tapering time. 
Um, so what you can do though is to the point of controlling the controllables. Yeah, making sure that your your gear is dialed in, making sure you have thought through your nutrition plan, especially for the longer races, for the gravel events, that kind of thing. Like, what is your plan? What are you going to do? Do you have all the stuff you need for it? Uh, you know, do you have everything packed for every kind of weather, all that sort of stuff? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that alone can give you a ton of confidence, writing out the whole race schedule from, you know, the day you start packing to the time you walk in the door home from the race. Sure. Uh, all of those things can be just so helpful to just kind of demystify it because I think a lot of it, a lot of the like nerves around the race actually come from more of this unknown and you know all these little things about the event that are stressful. You know, I wake up at like two in the morning before races some nights just panicking about where parking is where I'm going to park and how I'm going to get to the start and where the porta potties are and all of that. Mm. Um, and having that stuff written out and organized the day before can be such well, a Well, and this is where you start help. thinking about, okay, well, do I have to leave early because of this? Or, you know, can I Google street view this or message a friend and see like, they'll probably be like, no, there's always lots of parking at this race. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, they're used to thousands of people coming. You'll be fine. Well, a race like Paris Lancaster does get a little crazy with the parking because you are getting shuttled a lot of the time. So there are kind of all of these little logistics. Not that I'm saying everyone's doing Paris Lancaster, but I've done a bunch of running races like that as well, where it's actually either a remote start or the parking lot is just very far from the venue and you have to get on buses and deal with that. Sure. Uh, so knowing all of that stuff ahead of time is just so useful. So you're not waking up stressed the night well, before. Well, again, asking, I mean, some of these races that's, you know, you can set up, get a group of friends where you do a car shuttle and yeah, you have to go a little earlier, but we do the car shuttle so that we control when we get there. Cause sometimes the buses are a little stressful, a little, you know, they don't get there on time and you're sort of crammed in with people. So yeah, if that's not something you're going to handle well, then you figure out how to make it happen, right? Uh, there's been years I've actually ridden to the start just to avoid that completely. Uh, and then other years I've gotten rides or I've been lucky that you've been there or someone's come with me. So in any case, yeah, you start thinking through that, you know, and, and it's solution oriented and, and forward focused. I think a lot of times we get so in this regret of the past and it doesn't take that long to be better, but I think we need to, you know, you need to think, what can I do from this point? Who am I today and what do I need to move forward? And so that could be in training, but I think Molly's been touching on a lot of these uh, preparation and then there's the psychosocial. So I think the social comparison often is you need to get out on a group ride. You need to do a race before the race. I think we also can think about what is this race? Why are, is this race the world championships? And this is some of the perspective I try and bring to folks is, it's a spring race. It's not, it was never supposed to be the biggest race. You know, we should be thinking for most people, unless this is your bucket list race and you're going to something like unbound, that's just earlier in the year. Sometimes we can just change the goalposts a bit, which sounds like you're cheating, but the first race of the year probably shouldn't be. If you look at what any of the pros, they often are getting to like an earlier race. We just had a mountain bike world cup on the past weekend. A lot of the racers probably raced even much before this, but they went a week early to Brazil and did a, a UCI, like a less, it's still a big race, still a competitive race, but it wasn't the World Cup. So that's the other thing to think is, can you get out on a group ride that's sort of like a race? Every group ride's like a race the week before, two weeks before, or can you get to a, an even less important race? Or can that race just become, Paris Ancaster just probably, that's why I always liked it is it's not a mountain bike race. So I don't, I would try really hard, 
but I don't really care that much, right? Right. You're not super attached to the results. They don't really mean as much no, to you. No. And I mean, sometimes you race better when it's like that as you just sort of move the goalposts a bit. Now, hang on. I also want to caveat this, though, because I think the, as you might have heard that, uh, if you're the kind of person who latches onto things like that, uh, there's a good chance that now you're like, okay, good. Race every weekend before the race. Race every single weekly. Treat every group ride like a race. Uh, just, just go ham. Uh, and I have seen a lot of a lot of racers this season in particular. Um, and I'm gonna say in the gravel scene. And Alexia and I talked about this on Monday. A lot of racers that are doing hundred milers like every weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which just feels like a recipe for in a couple months feeling the effects of that. So there is like a bit of caution to the, yes, maybe a local race is a great idea, but let's not go so heavy on adding in all of these efforts, especially adding in the efforts without actually having them sort of built into your training plan. Don't build them on top of stuff that's already there. Sure. So, yes. <laughs> well, in racing, you know, this stuff all, especially these extreme things, they require a lot of recovery in and out. And so that's, it's very tricky to gain fitness off of racing, uh, for sure. So it is the tricky bit. So it might be a short race and then a long race, but then you train, recover, train for a bit. And that it's tricky. It's very, very hard, right? But that's those, these like the inverted U again, racing's good, but there's at some point you've raced too much and it's not benefiting you. You're spending more energy, time, money, and you're not getting fitter or faster potentially. Uh, now, there are exceptions for sure. Someone who just tactically needs to learn how to race or maybe the nerves, like you just hit them with a ton of racing and they get numb to the fact that they're racing. Maybe that's a good thing for a short term, you know, do a big race block for a month or something. But again, short term, this isn't the whole time. I wanted to make sure we fit this in. We had a Rebecca Rush was on the podcast there a year or two ago, probably two years, over two years, maybe now. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, but there was a quote that I just love so much, and we've brought it up a few times. I'll link to that episode, but it was, here, here it goes. We are never as prepared as we want to be for something big. So I say to people, go to the line, throw your stuff in a bag, and do the best you can. Sometimes you just have to try. Sometimes good enough is good enough. Oh man, such a good quote. That's Great. one of my absolute favorites. And I think that's it. And I think we've seen Rebecca, like she's won all sorts of different stuff and done all extreme stuff. She actually didn't start, end up starting, uh, I guess it would have been the D, uh, Unbound like XL, the extra long version of that race. Uh, there a year or two ago, she just got too busy and I don't, you know, who knows what was going on, but like she just said, <laughs> enough is enough. She didn't start. So I think there's both sides of that equation. Sometimes you just have to go. And then sometimes you can say enough is enough. Uh, But I think in either case, committing to that decision is mm. the big thing that uh, one of your big sort of philosophical tenets for racing and training is race if you're going to race. And this applies in a few different directions. You know, often when we're talking about it, it's that whole uh, never really treating a race as this fake thing that you're oh, what do I want to call it? You're presetting your excuses and you're like, oh, I'm going to ride to it. And then I'm just going to like- self-handicap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but uh, in this case, it's committing to it as early as possible. And if you're a week out from your race and you're super stressed about it and you're having this unprepared feeling, I think it's committing to racing if you're going to do the race or honestly canceling if you're really not feeling prepared. If, if life has really been- a thing and you genuinely don't feel as though like you feel good about going and i have a i'm pretty i'm not i'm not i don't think i'm a hard ass uh, i guess about a lot of things but i think clients will say like i'm pretty i just 
blanket statement basically like if you're not registered and i don't know what the cutoff is but if i think it's too close let's say two weeks i'll just be like no like that it's passed like because we can't really get ready and then this is where we end up with not being prepared and it just often isn't a good experience and i've just seen it so many times that if someone especially if it's like we've never talked about it and then it's like two weeks out or a week out and it's like oh i want to race well, no, because we can't do the specific preparation. And that's that's harsh in some ways, but I just again like it, it's people end up getting injured or they get a, you know a bad experience that just ruins momentum. So it's much better if we can come in with some sort of plan. And again, there's exceptions to everything in life, but I think if you're like on the fence about something and it's just you haven't committed, then no, pick the next thing. Let there be a bit of regret that you didn't commit and then commit to the next thing and then give yourself time because this is where we build confidence is now we start now we have two we have those full eight weeks <laughs> to build confidence i think so much of the unprepared feeling and the regret and stuff does come from not ever having fully committed to it whether you did register and you're you just never really put it on the calendar and like backed the training out to it or if if you've been vaguely training for it, but you still haven't actually hit that registration button, you're still kind of leaving yourself with that slight out, even though you are training towards it. I think that's where that's where you get into that more mental side of the the trouble of feeling unprepared. It's like, well, of course you're unprepared. You're mm-hmm. you're you're not signed up, or you don't have a training plan in place for it. And like, and so sometimes again, from Rebecca's quote, I mean, if you're if you don't like my statement, then that's fine. But then you have to accept, so this is like a should statement of, uh, you know, I shouldn't feel nervous about this race. And then you say, well, what are some reasons that I should feel? Well, I just registered and I didn't really prepare. And I, over the last few months, I've prioritized work and family, which was the right decision. And I stand by that. So I'm going to go to this race and I'm just going to see what I can do. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to try as hard as I can, but I'm not going to beat myself up. And you might surprise yourself. You could win that race, right? (laughs) Probably there's lots of times it works out. For a variety of reasons, but I, I think that's the, sort of this discussion you need to have with yourself and really watch the self-talk is that, no, I'm, I'm not as prepared as I might like to be, but maybe that's okay. And we'll see what happens. I'll gain experience. I'll get a maybe a complete before I compete. Ah, oh, man, I was going to say that. That's the one thing we also talk about all the time is the complete before you can compete. And, you know, sometimes the completing will surprise you uh, for for my first hundred mile, I I was really going into it with completing it was the primary objective. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I tried to tell you I had a time goal and you were just like, no, like getting through it is the the A goal and everything Well, and else this is, is sometimes what I mean by we build these things up. Like it's sort of just, I don't, I don't know really how to even explain this, but I think for most of us, you know, most adults, most masters, you know, we go in and we do what we can. And, and it'll work out. It'll be fine. But we sometimes build it up that I, I, and we don't we can't often define it. I often push people on this. I push myself on this. What is the thing that we're like nervous we're not going to do? Like, is it actually winning? But you're not we won't say that that's the thing. But what is that thing that you're thinking you have to do? And I think I've actually pushed you on this uh, for national championships a few years now. Because you, you've kind of been in this weird... Well, I'm probably on the other side of the curve where I just go and participate and <laughs> assume it'll, I'll just work hard yeah, and, I mean, and ride off of experience, right? So it is, it's sort of the other side where I'm almost, this is the inverted you actually has to do with arousal, right? So it's under arousal or over arousal. So the over arousal are the people who are super nervous and then they crash because they're nervous and they're not, you know, they're 
tunnel vision. So many jokes here. So then you could be under aroused. And so you just don't care that much. And so then you're just, you're not going to fight for it. Right. So it's not that being Mr. Cool is, is better. You'd perform perhaps even worse, right? Cause you're the guy, you're not really fighting. You have to, you have to be pretty motivated <laughs> to go really hard up a hill, right. On a, on a bicycle. So they're not, not, and this gets into like, is the goal challenging? Is the goal interesting? Is it novel? Things get old after a while too. And I think that's what I've pushed you on just because I, I think there, we've maybe had like a slight lack. Or I'm maybe putting words in your mouth. Go ahead. But <laughs> proceed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sometimes with your racing, it feels like you are in that under aroused state, but you also have these higher expectations for yourself. So you're not super psyched when they don't like when it doesn't work out. Um, or, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It could be. I think I often say to you like minimum expectation also, and i live very much in this like minute like i there's a bar i like to get over but i'm not super stressed that it needs to go higher yeah you're also a pretty big waffler though because like sure. every other week it's okay this is it and then the next week it's well we're working on it i'm excited for running i think this year too mm-hmm. we'll see about that but uh, yeah i mean i'm still being put you know cautious coming out so again i'm not uh, maybe it's again i'm not saying it's a better strategy i'm just not super jazzed on anything at the moment i guess uh, well, you're in a different part of your athletic journey, but I just wanted to give our <laughs> listeners a little bit of a, an insight into it's not like we both are super, super good at uh, necessarily practicing this all the time. Yeah, and or- you know, know thyself, right? And so you need to know, you know, I think it's all, really the why we're doing this is, is sort of you need to challenge yourself. And, and I think this like scary thing we don't in life often, you know, someone said to me, you don't run away from, you know, tigers or anything anymore. I don't know who ran away from tigers, but you sort of need something where you're nervous. And so if you go into these races thinking this is good because often in life we're able to avoid a lot of discomfort and we're thinking, okay, like this is sort of scary coming into here. You know, it's a performance because people are watching and it's good for me to be in this like, you know, quote unquote high stress moment because we don't get a lot of this in life, but it is, I think, good for us on the whole, right? It's rewarding when you finish something like that. Right. Side note, how many saber-toothed tigers were there? Because honestly, that quote just like feel, you hear that all the time, like that we don't have to, you know, fight or flight, blah, blah, blah. But like, honestly, how many people actually had to escape saber-toothed tigers? Did they like outnumber the humans? If someone is is an expert on this, I would really like to have them on just to talk about whether or not this is actually reality or not. So I thought another one that this is from your coach, David, uh, and I'll link to his. This is a trail mag, trailrunnermag.com article. Uh, it's called Dream Big and Go For It. And the quote from that that I liked, uh, and, and the part that I liked probably isn't what most people would like, and it sort of fits to that <laughs> under razzle, but we'll, we'll, we'll get this quote out here. Run with passion, run fearlessly, chase your craziest dreams without caring too much about how realistic they are. Do that, and yeah, you might fail. And that's pretty much the whole point. The part I like is that that's pretty much the point that you're going to fail. Uh, well, I've said that before. Like I've said that before, as far as winning goes. Like if every race is a win, then does it even matter anymore? So I took it to being sort of like almost a moonshot, and that you're pulling yourself in a direction where you know most of the habits and the things you do day to day, the fitness you generate is going to be beneficial. Right. If you don't win the world championships, you don't win the local, uh, you know, weekly road race that you were hoping to win. But you're 
you're fit, you're capable, you've had good, you know, you've been flossing your teeth and you've been doing all these, you know, good habits, going to bed on time, eating well, uh, you know, being out with people, socializing, then that's what I take David's quote to mean is that, you know, by shooting for this excellence, by pushing yourself into these new areas, you know, areas of discomfort, then, you know, it's, it's pulling yourself in a great direction. Well, whether you're famous or whether you're, you know, whatever Instagram famous, you know, maybe it doesn't matter, but I think that's how I, how do you take that quote? Is there, do you take something different from that? No, I think it's, it kind of goes back to that race. If you're going to race and not show up at the start line thinking, Oh, like, uh, don't really feel prepared. I might pull out at mile, whatever, or uh, I'm just going to soft pedal this today or uh, Mm. party at the back. I think it's about trying. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's a scary thing to do to try to like put yourself out there and try knowing that you're not going to be the person who wins. Like, or maybe you don't know that with full certainty, but you are fairly sure that no. you are not going to be the person to win the race. No, we had some good racing over the weekend here. There was the first world cup in Brazil for uh, cross country mountain biking. And then there was also the first, of the lifetime, lifetime yeah. sort of gravel mountain bike series in North America. It was at the Sea Otter Classic. And a couple of good stories, I thought, out of those races. We had in the cross-country race on the Sunday, which is on RedBull.tv, I think, for most people, if you want to re-watch that. We had in the women's race, we had a great story, Beck McConnell uh, from Australia. She won, and she'd been trying to win. You know, she's been second. She's been close. She's a great racer, has had a good career ups and downs like any career but has never won and so this has been on her back and she finally won so it's it's such an emotional thing but you you have to imagine you know what goes through someone's head to keep trying and and she didn't win she didn't win she didn't win and and so if if that was the only point like what why would she persist over all these years right there has to be something more to it and i think we have to remember that whatever our winning is winning for us might be finishing the race or a new personal best in the race or a longer duration of race or or whatever whatever winning is for you it might be 10th place in the race is winning for you that's a good race when i think about nationals that's often now if i can get into the top 10 in that elite race that's you know that's molly says it's i'm setting the bar too low perhaps but uh, you know, no one's getting younger. So I keep thinking it's pretty cool if I can get into that. So I mean, again, I said it to you the other day, Nino Scherter just won his 33rd <laughs> World Cup. He is 36 years old. I was like, yeah, but I've never won a World Cup and I'm 38. <laughs> yes, but if we extrapolate that down, I think a top five at national. Well, we'll see. One time I did do it. It was good. I remember in Jeff Kabush cramped on the, we were in, getting somehow i got convinced him we were doing the, the interview on video afterwards and he cramped in the middle of the interview it was pretty funny uh but that was a good day but that was my peak that was fifth so i mean i don't know if we're going back there but all to say you're winning whatever that is it might take a while and it's that chasing that pursuit back may, may have never won she may never win again i mean who knows right but she's going to enjoy that a lot. And I think we were in tears, everyone, you know, it was pretty emotional, but she persisted and there has to be something that was worthwhile on the front end. And then afterwards that makes that a good, we'll call it a career, but a a good pursuit. Yeah. And then you saw it again in the men's when Nino won, this is his 33rd, which makes him tied with Julian Absalon for most world cup wins like of all time, Uh, you know, huge deal. And he hasn't won a world cup since in three Three years. years. 
So, which is wild because like he had streaks there where I think he probably won every World Cup. In for, 2017, he won every World yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't win for win for three years, but that's pretty awesome. You know, again, anyone else looks at that as like, well, what an what does he have to complain about? But you could see him quitting if he wasn't winning. You wouldn't blame him. He's 36. He's got kids. Um, you know, he doesn't win anymore. People are getting younger. Yeah, and I think to me, it was actually the emotion for him at the finish line. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't see that that often in biking, but it was probably five minutes later and they tried to interview him. Yeah, he had to bow out. He was in tears, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so, so emotional. And you saw, like, that's that's what failing for, failing, quote unquote. I mean, he was still doing pretty well. He also won the world championships, so it just didn't count as a world cup. But Current world champion. Um, But you saw three years of quote-unquote failing uh led to that moment and would you really trade that moment for if he had just won the 33rd or yeah 33rd world cup in 2018 just after a winning streak and it was just sort of on top of and and it strikes me i think the what a great moment for sure i mean it's worth watching uh but i think again something else was making it worth it for three years right probably he was getting paid you know let's be honest but that does help but he wasn't achieving you know maybe that perfect race for that long same as back right like there was more they aspired for more they might have not got more you know you're never done but there's sort of this like uh worth in in that pursuit so i think that's trying to reflect on like what is winning and and, you know what are the things that i'm getting out of that what are the the day-to-day right i often talk about that with something like leadville which you should be excited about you know this is that can you prepare and do you want to prepare for the goal that you set you should want to go out and ride with your friends on hilly, you know, terrain, mountainous terrain for the whole bunch of months ahead of that August race for Leadville or whatever your race is. And that stuff is often what clients end up enjoying and having a great time. And that's where all the photos are from is all these, you know, preparatory rides and workouts and the big challenges they did and the big weekends and long weekend blocks. So I think that's, you know, reflecting more and more on that is what are the other things that you're getting? And it's not just the race day. The race day is, you know, sort of the icing on the cake yeah for sure yeah i think the maybe last thing i have on this is just thinking about if you if you are having this stress over race day and racing and feeling unprepared i actually really like to do a bit of future thinking here and it not what it sounds like you'd think i'd be thinking about race day going really well i'm not i'm thinking about the day after the race is over um because i have done i dns'd one race in my life so you didn't start didn't start a race yeah that was 15 years ago, maybe. I still regret that, like, constantly. And it was just, like, a dumb thing. I just wasn't feeling amazing, and it was crappy weather, and it was, like, a local... It was a local triathlon. It was not, like, a big deal by any stretch. I hadn't traveled to it or anything. But I DNS'd it, and I still feel so irritated with myself about that. So I think, like, a lot of the time now, I think through to the day after the race mm-hmm. and how I'm going to feel knowing that I did the race... No matter how it went, even if it was the worst race of my life, I am probably always going to feel better knowing that I at least went out and like attempted to race than I would if I just like pulled the plug a week before because I was nervous that I was slightly underprepared. Well, and I think that's there's situations for that. I think the longer you go, the more likely you will not start. I mean, we had you know people who were sick at the World Cup, and illness like is a yeah. very different thing. And I mean, sometimes weather's just extreme, and it's it's not worth the risk or or whatever, right? And I think we make those decisions. I don't think that's what we're 
even speaking about so much. I, I did, we did have on the notes here to mention, you know, I have a, a mantra sort of like the only way, and it's because of this exact, this mindset of being nervous and like wanting to escape the discomfort. And so I often say to myself as a mantra, I guess, and this could be in the, the weeks before. Oh my God, that was the most Canadian pronoun- pronunciation of mantra I've ever heard. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that word, but I, I say to myself, the only way out is the finish line. And and what do, that's a really getting at the, you know, getting to the finish line or the start line, I should say. And then also during the race, like don't, you're not putting any energy into like, oh, should I drop out? Or, you know, maybe they're going to pull me or any of these thoughts we get. I'm not going to make the cutoff. We're thinking about what are the things that get us to the finish line as fast as we can. And it doesn't matter who's ahead or behind, but. Uh, Unless you are in the very back of a World Cup pack and someone is yelling from behind you to let them pass. right. Yeah, there was that on the weekend too. Yeah, definitely watch the Women's World Cup race from the weekend. Well, you have to be aware for sure. And maybe that's what those people Sorry, were that was largely just a joke yeah, because okay. that was an amazing okay. part of the race. Okay. Yeah, but uh, that may be of use to you or some variation on that where it's, you know, they're just, uh, it's not an option. Like you are registered, you are going. So start thinking through the checklist. Smalley and Alexi told us about, you know, getting ready. Is the bike ready? What is the interval session that's going to help? build my confidence you know how do i keep myself on the positive what are the meditative meditations or the what is it mantras <laughs> uh, not like that <laughs> that are going to help me complete before i compete and a lot of times it's you know the better scenario is that you finish this race or you start this race at the very least you get to that nationals race and you f- experience the start line so that then next year you have something to build on the next race. You've at least been on a start line. You've at least done a hundred miler or you've at least done a hundred mile, whatever. What did I say? I said hundred miler twice. Hundred mile bike ride is what I meant versus the run. So any of these things, right? We're thinking about accumulating experience and, and that's so much of these big, big things is experience. Why is Rebecca R- Rush good still? It's because of experience. She knows what to do. She knows how to fuel herself. She knows the equipment. She knows a lot of these courses even. And so experience is so valuable. So I think, I guess that's my last note is give yourself to a chance to accumulate the experience and, and take some of the nerves out. If, you, if you're if you new to something or newer, let yourself do it. Like just get the experience and then it'll build from there. Yeah, because if you don't do it this year, like you're going to be at that same, same point same next place. year. <laughs> yeah, except for now you have this negative image of it too. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you have these races you didn't go to, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's hard because now you don't have, even if it was like, oh, I've done this race and it was just a crummy rainy day and I had to wear a big raincoat. And... It's actually exactly what the case was, yeah. Mm-hmm, right, but at least you'd seen the course. <laughs> oh, I knew exactly what was coming up. The race literally goes by my house. So then I had to sit inside like, watching rain come down but triathletes riding by the house knowing that i was supposed to be in that group and it was very upsetting for me (laughs) sorry our third uh our third podcast host dw is doing some awesome like flips around as we're this morning trying to yeah trying to finish this up. okay so hopefully that helps then on uh the topic of nerves before the race you know those last few weeks control what you can control stay positive uh, talk to someone, get out and experience the things that you, you think will build your confidence. Uh, and I think that's our notes for today. Mm-hmm. All right. If you are racing uh, in the next week or so, good luck. Uh, you're going to be awesome. No matter what happens, you are awesome. Uh, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 
Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.